All right, so uh, we're looking for the gospel from one cover of the word to the next. And uh, today's message is based on one that I heard uh, many years ago by uh, a pastor, Kenny Qualls, that has left an impression on my heart ever since. And so I, I don't know where some of you come from today. Some of you uh, regularly join us for worship. Most of you do. Um, some of you may be having a good week. Maybe, um, man, you're, you're a new Christian. Maybe you're, you're growing in your faith. Maybe you're struggling. Uh, some are dealing with sickness. Others uh, just have heartaches. And still others, maybe you're just ready to, to throw in the towel when it comes to your faith in Christianity. Perhaps in the past you have had a front row seat to seeing God's power work in your life, but lately it seems like God isn't even there. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer. Uh, You've not put your faith and trust in Jesus to save you from your sins. So wherever you are coming from this morning, uh, we're glad that you're here. And something that we all need to hear and remember, it's the first blank on your outline if you're taking notes. It is that Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. And and if you and I have anything other than Jesus is worthy at the core of our beings, then we won't make it very long in our faith. We won't be able to endure all the things that come at us. Last time we were in Revelation, we looked at chapter 4, when we were in this series, and and, and the door of heaven was opened up to get a glimpse of what must take place, and it really is an indescribable picture. It is the worship of God. God the Father is seated on his throne, and while his appearance is indescribable, John does the best that he can with the limitations he's been given to describe what he sees. Around the throne is a rainbow. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness. There are elders there, likely representing the saints and God's faithfulness to keep his promise to save those who trust in his only son. We saw there are living creatures that remind us of God's covenant faithfulness with Noah, not to destroy the earth by flood again. And also a reference of the different pictures that we see of Jesus in the Gospels. Our God, who sits on the throne of heaven, keeps his promises. Chapter 4, verse 8 says of these creatures, They do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And so all eyes are on this throne in chapter 5. When we see the victorious Jesus, the center and glory of heaven in focus. You know, I was reminded uh, recently, something that we used to do but we've gotten away from. Uh, Would you stand out of respect for the Word of God as we just read the first two verses in chapter 5? If you're able, please stand out of respect for God's Word. It says this, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll And to loose its seals. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. And so what we see here in in chapter, 
in verse 1, excuse me, is a perfectly sealed scroll. We've seen that number 7. It's the number of completeness. It is the number of perfection in the Word of God. Now, we don't use scrolls anymore, but in Bible times, it would have been perfectly normal for a scroll to contain a will or a deed to some land or even a contract. So whatever it is on this scroll, God wrote it. And he is on his throne, and he is in control. And this scroll is in his right hand. It is perfect, it is complete, there is nothing that needs to be added to this scroll. There is nothing that needs to be changed of this scroll. So get this picture in your head. And while there are many different views of what this scroll is, it's likely the title deed to the universe. You can write that down. It's likely the title deed to the universe. Likely God's plan to execute judgment on all that don't know Him. It's likely God's plan to end sin forever and usher in eternity. Notice verse 2 again. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Now we... uh, It brings up the question, who is this strong angel? And we really don't know for sure. We see in Daniel that Gabriel sealed up this scroll, probably the same scroll. So it may be him, we don't know. All that we know is that this strong angel is asking, who is worthy to open this scroll? Who is even worthy to take this scroll out of the right hand of God? And then the answer is found in verse 3. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and to look at it. So who was able to open the scroll? No one. No one is able. No one was found in heaven. No angel could open this scroll. Not even this strong one. No one was found on earth. Uh, No one in the world. No man, no woman, no president, no preacher. No world leader of all the billions of people on this earth. No one was found to be able to open this scroll. And there was no one in hell. No demon, not even Satan himself, was worthy to take this scroll and to open it. Verse 4 says this. So I wept much because no one was found to open and read the scroll or to look at it. And so we see that John was burdened because he knew that if no one was able to open this scroll, that meant there would be no final judgment, there would be no final redemption, there would be no destruction of sin. He knew God's plan would be stuck with no way to move forward. And so this is a big deal because this scroll must be open in order for God's people to continue with his plan for all eternity and bring the ages to an end. No one was found worthy to open the scroll. Look at verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And so this this elder came up to John and said, Don't weep, because there is an answer. 
And it's not found in religion. It's not found in man. No one was able to open the scroll except the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, think about a lion for a moment. It's the, it's the king of the beasts. It's majestic. It has authority. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. And this goes all the way back to Jacob, Father Abraham's grandson. We see that the Lord renamed him Israel. And on his deathbed, he blessed his sons. And he said this of Judah in Genesis 49. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of all the people. Now notice there in verse 10, him is capitalized. It is in many translations. It's pointing to Jesus. All these pieces of prophecy are coming together here in Revelation 5. The Lion of Judah has power to judge. Hebrews 7.14, our Lord arose from Judah. The Lion of Judah, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who has power to judge? It is Jesus. And he was prophesied of many, many times. Look at Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Basically, uh, very similar to what we just read in Revelation. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom... To order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This lion from the line of David will rule in total power forever. He is the king of kings. He brought David's royal line into existence and he will fulfill David's royal line to completeness. And here in Revelation 5, he has prevailed the lion has prevailed he has won he has overcome sin and death and satan himself he is the one who has the right to judge he has the right to hold the scroll of judgment upon sin because he overcame he prevailed but we see in verse 6 that the lion is also a lamb. It says this, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. So, there is a huge difference between a lion and a lamb. If we heard the roar of a lion in the next room, we would not want to go in there. But if we heard the you of a lamb, we would have no trouble going in there. But the thing about this lamb that we see here in Revelation 5 is that it has been slain. The next blank on your outline. Right there in the midst, in the center of heaven, the focal point is Jesus himself. And he is slain. A bloody, butchered 
mess. But notice verse 6, it says that this lamb stood. Slain animals don't stand. Slain animals are discarded into a pile or they're buried, but this lamb slaughtered on the cross stands because he arose from the grave. This slain lamb is alive. The lamb is alive. And notice, he has seven horns. Again, there's that number again, the number of perfection. It's the number of completeness. Uh, seven horns. An animal's power is in its horns. And so Jesus has complete and perfect power. This, this lamb had seven eyes. This is a symbol of wisdom and knowledge. And so this lamb has complete and perfect knowledge and, and wisdom and vision. He has seven spirits which represent the presence of God. This lamb has complete and perfect presence. This lamb is Jesus. Back in Genesis 22-7, when Abraham was, was taking Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him, Isaac asked him, Dad, where's the lamb? I see the wood and the fire and everything for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? It's a question that has been echoing throughout the pages of the, the Word of God. Where is the lamb? And John the Baptist answered it many years later in John 1 When he saw Jesus for the first time, he said, Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. This lamb is a lion. This lion is a lamb. And it's been said like this. Jesus is a lion because he conquered. Jesus is a lamb because he submitted. If you search these two words, lion and lamb, in the book of Revelation, you will find that lamb is there 28 times and lion is there only once referring to Jesus. This tells us much about his character. Christ the lion has victory. Christ the lamb made the sacrifice. The lion is a lamb. The lamb in Revelation 5-6 is slain. The lamb is alive. The next blank, the lamb is scarred. The lamb is scarred. Now don't we all have scars? We could go around the room and, and tell scar stories. I've got one here on my hand where I ripped it open on a fence post several years ago. You probably have really cool scar stories of a, uh, maybe a, a scooter wreck gone awry or a chainsaw or whatever else. I know some of some scar stories um, among us. But don't we know that there is no greater a scar story in the scars of the Lamb. His scars tell an incredible story of His love, of His sacrifice, of the Gospel, and of eternity. I find it interesting that the Jesus chose to keep His scars even after He was perfected. I mean, He, he easily could have removed them. Remember when he appeared to his disciples and he said, Thomas, put your, put your hand right there in my nail-scarred hands. He could have gotten rid of those scars, but he chose to keep them. It was a reminder. They are still a reminder of his love for all of us. There is no greater scar story than the scar story of the Lamb. When we get to verse 7, there's a handoff. 
Notice what it says. Then he, this lion who is a lamb, who is alive, who is slain, who is scarred, who is Jesus. He came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Remember, God the Father is on the throne. So just just picture this throne room of heaven. What a scene it is. The lion that is a lamb, that was slain, but is alive, and is scarred, came and took the scroll. Jesus, not the baby in a manger, not a man teaching from a boat, not a man in the garden praying, not the man being plotted against or nailed to a cross, not the man being mocked, not the one who was dead in a borrowed tomb. This is Jesus, the creator, the conqueror, the lion of Judah, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is Messiah, the son of God who is worthy of our worship and is worthy of us taking our problems too and is worthy of our time and he's worthy of our, our, our lives living for him and our enduring in our faith. This is Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only one who can take the scroll from God's mighty right hand, who is on his throne, and he finally, God, hands off this scroll to his son to set all of eternity into play. Church, the hand that holds the scroll, the title deed of the universe, He holds you too. The hand that holds the universe holds your kids and your business and your life and your sickness and your doubts and your struggles and your screw-ups. Whatever you're facing today, Jesus, who is worthy, is good at handoffs. That's the next blank on your outline. Jesus is good at handoffs. See, we try to hold on to and carry these burdens that we were not designed to carry. But if Jesus can take, he's the only one who can take the scroll of eternity out of the Father's mighty, righteous, powerful right hand. He can take whatever you need him to take today. When we get to verses 8 through 14, we go from weeping to worship. And basically, heaven comes unglued. Uh, This is more than a New Year's ball drop. This is more than any Cardinals opening day or a basketball championship. There has never been a celebration like this before. There has never been a party like this. Heaven cannot sit still because there is so much joy. Look at verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. If you don't like singing new songs, you're not going to like heaven. And then it comes. They said, you are worthy to take the scroll To open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. 
And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So notice the progression here. In verse 2, who is worthy? In verse 4, no one is worthy. In verse 9, Jesus is worthy. In verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb. Verse 13 says, Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever. Church, Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our our praise. He's worthy of our commitment. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of us totally abandoning everything else in this world. The question becomes, what is Jesus worth to you? What is Jesus worth to me? How does the truth that Jesus is worthy impact my life? What am I trading Jesus for? Uh, The American dream, recognition, success, my wants, my preferences. See, living for him is not about religion. Nothing compares to Jesus' worth. He is worthy because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, as John 1.29 told us. He's worthy because he's the bread of life in John 6.35. He's worthy because he's the light of the world in John 8.12. He's worthy because he's the good shepherd in John 10.10. He's worthy because he is the resurrection and the life in John 11.25 and 26. He's worthy because he is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14.6. He's worthy because he is the resurrected Lord in Acts 2, 23 through 24. He's worthy because he is the soon coming king in Revelation 1, 7 and 8. He owns it all. He made it all. He rules it all. He is Savior. He is Messiah. He is the one that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He fulfilled the law. He is the giver of grace. He is the Lion of Judah who is the slain lamb who took the scroll. And he is risen today. He is worthy. And he calls you and me to live for him. Whether you're a a teacher or a mechanic or a nurse or a secretary or a teenager or a farmer or a mom or a dad... He has called you to a relationship with Him and He's given you a mission. Jesus is worthy in the good times. Jesus is worthy in the tough times. Jesus is worthy in our marriages. Jesus is worthy in our lives. He is worthy in every pain. He is worthy in every lonely moment. He is worthy in every frustration. He is worthy in every fear. He is worthy in every doubt. He is worthy in every sickness. He is on His throne. So friend, 
Don't give up. There's something that we need reminded sometimes, don't we? The last blank there on your outline. Jesus is on his throne. And so no matter what you are going through, don't give up because Jesus is worthy. So what's holding you back from living the obedient life that Jesus has called you to? What's holding you back from living like Jesus is worthy? Jesus, the Lamb who was slain for your sins. He would rather give up His life to die than to live without you. Church, that's love. That's the gospel. It was my sin that nailed Him to the cross. It is our sins that separate us from the Holy God. But the good news is that He arose and that we can be made right with him. Have you made that decision yet? As we go into a time of invitation, would you just bow your hearts and heads and and allow God to to work in your heart this morning? <clears throat> Jesus is worthy. What has God said to you this morning? What are you going to do about it?